All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, and today we're going to be talking about the Falcons preseason schedule and sort of giving you my sort of big thoughts on what the Falcons could or should do in the first round of the draft. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. I've been covering the Falcons for many years at Falcons.com, on Twitter, at Falcons, and, of course, the host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast. NFL released the preseason schedule for all the NFL teams. We're expecting the official schedule to get dropped. It's usually Wednesday, Thursday of the week before the draft, so that's probably coming next week. So we'll get a podcast devoted fully to the schedule release at some point next week. But I did want to talk today about the preseason schedule and sort of give my thoughts on the preseason and what, you know, having five games means, as well as sort of, you know, we're going to have a lot of guests coming up on the next couple of weeks and days uh, leading up to the draft, giving their shared insights on uh, what they think the Falcons should do or, or various players and prospects and whatnot and other draft related topics. But, uh, you know, which is potentially going to leave me without necessarily the platform to share my views. And you you guys know I love to talk, as you know. Uh, you know, we're at 500 plus episodes and counting of me hosting the Locked On Falcons podcast. And, uh, you know, that's a lot of hours of conversation with myself that I've had during that time. And so because of that, I do want to sort of give you my sort of concerns heading into the draft dealing with sort of what they could or could not do in the first round of the draft, just because I may not get that opportunity until, you know, two weeks from now, uh, you know, in the day, or, you know, the, the couple of days before the draft hits on April 25th. So I want to do that today. Um, and then we'll, you know, in future episodes, we'll get into sort of all the various topics and allow all the various guests to share their insights. But without further ado, let's talk preseason stuff. Uh, If you didn't hear the news, the Falcons have five preseason games because they will be participating in the Hall of Fame game against the Denver Broncos in Canton, Ohio on August 1st. Uh, They will follow that up with the usual four preseason games, giving them and the Broncos, of course, five preseason games compared to the rest of the league. Uh, Their first matchup will be a road game against Miami. Their second one will be against the New York Jets at home. You know, that's where they'll kick off Mercedes-Benz Stadium. You could also follow that up. The following week against the Redskins in Atlanta, and then they will finish out the preseason on the road against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Of course, the Dolphins and Jaguars are usual uh, preseason opponents. We've played the Redskins a couple of times in recent years, and I can't recall off the top of my head the last time we played the Jets, but it, it doesn't seem like it's that, you know, it seems like every, you know, once every four years we seem to play the Jets or something like that. So, um, what can you say about the preseason? You know, I think the Falcons are 0 8 in the last two preseasons. Uh, we'll see if they extend that losing streak to 13 games this summer. You know, I, I don't necessarily put too much stock in preseason results. Uh, I think, you know, it's hard to find a real correlation because there are teams that have bad preseasons and have good regular seasons and vice versa. And then, you know, all the different variables. And so it's hard to find a correlation. I do think you can find a correlation between a player, individual players having good or bad preseasons and having success in the regular season or not. Uh, an example of a player having success is last year with DeMonte Casey, who really sort of emerged and made that and showed that he had made that second year jump 
in the preseason and then when we saw him, you know, tie for the NFL leading interceptions um, during the regular season. And, you know, for me, the preseason is really about player evaluation. And I think with the five-game format, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that sort of modifies things. You know, that player evaluation tool is it's really about the 90 guys that are going to be in camp and playing in preseason games and whittling that down to 53 guys. Now, for the most part, as the Falcons and, and most established teams are, you're not going to have 53 open battles. You're probably not going to have more than 10 open battles. And, you know, we'll see what happens after the Falcons draft, but the reality is probably that's going to be like seven battles for roster spots. And the vast majority of those spots will be pretty much set in, or if not set in stone, the, the concrete is going to be only slightly damp, so to speak. Um, and so one of the things that will be interesting to watch specifically this summer, now that the Falcons are going to play five games, is sort of how Dan Quinn divvies up playing time. And no, uh, really, to be honest with you, yes, I am uh, still a bit jaded about my prediction of the summer of Ito not coming to fruition last summer. And I thought it was interesting, in my opinion, from my perspective, to see basically the Falcons decide to not really play anybody extensively that was fighting for a roster battle or fighting for a roster or not necessarily fighting for a roster spot, but that had, wasn't a proven player. Like, you know, Matt Ryan or Julio Jones or Deion Jones, those guys are proven. They don't need a ton of preseason snaps. You play them 30 snaps, 50 snaps, whatever, and they're good to go for the regular season. It's not like they forget how to play football over the course of, you know, the nine months during the offseason or six months during the offseason. But other guys you know, the Edo the Smiths of the world, the guys that you think are going to make your team, but you don't really know much about them because they're rookies or they spent the previous year on the practice squad or they were free agent signings that you picked up or whatever. Those guys getting reps in the preseason, I think, helps a lot in that player evaluation standpoint. I think Edo Smith's a good example of that where he, you know, didn't get a whole lot of work during the summer. Then, you know, due to the injury, Devontae Freeman was thrust pretty early into the lineup early in that season. I thought, you know, it, it wasn't as if the Falcons didn't throw him to the Wolves at that point, but they kind of avoided it, at least as far as pass protection went, because in those first two games, he really didn't get any reps in pass protection. And I one wonders, I wonder, and maybe four of you out there also wonder, that had the Falcons given Ito more reps during the summer, that they may have maybe potentially trusted him a little bit more to give him more opportunities in the regular season, at least in those early games in pass protection. And now, you know, don't say that as if that means, oh, the Falcons would have won, you know, they would have went nine and seven this year if they had played, Edo, given Edo Smith, you know, 25 more snaps during the preseason. Of course, I'm not saying that. But, you know, as an individual player, you know, not necessarily, again, as it applies to the team, for that individual, I think it may have helped Edo out a little bit more and maybe done something positive for the team, potentially, I would say. So, I'll be interesting, you know, I'm hoping that we get a summer of Ito this year, um, now that he's a little bit more established, got his feet under him, and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But, you know, it was interesting to me last summer that I think, if I'm not mistaken, outside of Josh Harris and Matt Bosch, I think Bosch only played one snap, um, the only two players that were on the Falcons roster for that week one game that played in that preseason finale against Miami were Matt Gano and, and Dewey Jarvis, and I think Dewey Jarvis got cut you know, the following week. So, you know, it was one of those things where pretty much everybody that was going to make the team, the Falcons had already established that they were going to make the team and they were resting them for that final preseason game, which, 
is a choice, but my hope is that if that's the plan to repeat that this year, then having that extra preseason game means that some of those guys, you know, the Edo Smiths of the world and their equivalents, whoever that's going to be in 2019, perhaps a, a Russell Gage, perhaps a, a, or whoever it is, get more opportunities this summer now that we have the extra game. So that's what I'm hoping to see. That's what, you know, as someone who's way too invested in, in third and fourth string roster battles and preseason games in the fourth quarters of meaningless preseason games, that's what I'm hoping to see this summer. And so there you have it. We'll come back and talk about the draft in just a moment, but I do want to remind you guys that if you are interested in the draft, you got to check out the two draft podcasts on the Lockdown Podcast Network, Locked On NFL Draft Podcast and the Draft Dudes Podcast. Find them both on whatever podcast platform you get your Locked On shows, including the new Himalaya Podcast app. Download that app at your app store, your team, every day. So, you know, I got a couple of things I want to say about the Falcons draft strategy. And I keep sitting here just, you know, hearing everybody get excited. And again, you know, I'm not here to ruin people's dreams, but I, I just can't get past this offensive line. I keep hearing people say, hey, man, we got to get Ed Oliver. We got to get this pass rush. We got to get this guy. And as someone who has been harping, harping on the pass rush for many, many years, I am a, I understand where that feeling comes from. I think some of these guys that the Falcons could potentially trade up for are great players. I really do. And I don't begrudge the team if they decide to do that. If they say this guy is a rare talent, we're not going to get an opportunity to get a player of this caliber again if everything goes according to plan. And so we're going to take the risk. But I think that's a risk, not because the player is a risk, because of the ramifications and the ripple effects and the domino effect it could have for the rest of the team. While the defense takes strides forwards, the offense takes steps backward. And I wonder, and again, as someone who doesn't necessarily put as much in the defensive performance to basically win and lose games for the Falcons, that concerns me because I look at this offense and, you know, people talk about, you know, Dan Quinn being on the hot seat and whatnot. And I say, maybe, you know, there's certainly a precedent that, you know, Arthur Blank hasn't kept the coach that missed the playoffs two years in a row. And so that doesn't, if Dan Quinn and the company missed the playoffs in 2019, I can't sit here and say they're safe. That is certainly true. I don't know if they're on the hot seat yet, but, you know, their status is unknown, undetermined, to be determined, so to speak. But to me, the shortest way of doing that Risking your job security is if this offense takes a rapid decline. And we know we got the skill position players. We know we got the talent at the quarterback, the wide receiver position. I believe the running back position, tight end as well. The offensive line is the one question mark. And the Falcons have made investments to try to shore that up. But I look at those investments, James Carpenter, Javon Brown, Tyson Brelo. Why should I feel better about this position group today on April 12th? when most of you are listening to this, than I did on January 12th when we heard Dan Quinn tell uh, whoever it was, sorry for forgetting your name, that there are three holes at this offensive line, that he's three got three question marks. Why should I feel like James Carpenter and Jamon Brown and Ty Sambrello aren't equally big, if not bigger, question marks at that position? Because Ty Sambrello played well against Benson Mayo and Wes Horton in three and a half games at the end of the season. So that means... He's going to be fine against Cameron Jordan and J.J. Watt and Brandon Graham and Daniel Hunter this season. I should feel good about the Falcons matchups against Aaron Donald and Fletcher Cox, DeForest Buckner, Jarrell Casey, 
because what James Carpenter and Jamon Brown have proven themselves to be great offensive line starters and solid players for years and years? No, they haven't been. I should I should look at these guys and feel like, oh yeah, we're in a better place than we were with Andy Levitri or Chris Chester. I feel like you can make a strong argument the Falcons have gotten diminishing returns on their offensive line investments at the guard position over the last four years, starting out with, with Chester and Levitri in 2015, and then Schweitzer in 2016, and then Fosco in 2017. And I should feel like, oh, no, the Brown and Carpenter, that nips that in the bud. That tr- downward trend, no, that's, a, that's an upward trend now because of these guys, because of what they did in New York, in L.A., in Seattle? Okay, if you say so. And so my concern is if those guys continue to be question marks, those guys continue to be problems, those guys don't upgrade the offensive line position like the Falcons hope they do. That potentially ruins your season. That potentially is that anchor, once again, that holds back this offense from reaching its full potential. We know that this offense is capable of being a top 10, top 5 unit, even with a bad offensive line or questionable offensive line, as we saw in 2018. But I also believe that, you know, if this team is going to reach its full potential, whether that's as a playoff team or a Super Bowl team, whatever you think it, this team has the potential to be, it's going to be carried by their offense's ability to get the most out of itself. And if you have this offensive line that's this anchor that's just weighing down that unit, you're not going to be able to maximize your offense's potential this year. And I don't look at this current five as it's currently constructed and feel confident that we're going to get the maximum potential. We could, we should, but it's going to be tough. I got more thoughts on this, but I need to take a breath and let you guys know that there is an NBA side of the Locked On Podcast Network where you can get your recap on your favorite team's 2018-2019 season if it happens to be over and look ahead to the draft. Or if your team is gearing up for the postseason, you can check out that daily show on the Lockdown Podcast Network, wherever you get your Lockdown Podcasts, your team every day. So I'm, I'm ranting about my concerns about this Falcons offense. And I can't get over the idea of if you trade out, which again, I don't begrudge the Falcons that they do. They look at these guys and say, these are transcendent talents, Ed Oliver, whoever it is. I don't begrudge them that decision. I love these players, too. I think Ed Oliver is one of the three best players in this draft. I think Brian Burns is one of the three edge rushers that, in my opinion, of the six that are probably going to be top 15, top 20 picks, that actually legitimately deserves to be. So, again, as someone who, for 15 years, for probably two-thirds of the last 15 years, has wanted the Falcons to use their first-round pick in probably 10 of the last 15 drafts, on a pass rusher and seeing them take a grand total of three in that period of time, Jamal Anderson, Vic Beasley, and Jack McKinley, you know, I feel a certain hole in my soul for this team's lack of pass rushers. So I get the feeling. I'm not going to be grudging. I'm not going to sit here and be like, that's a bad choice. But I think it's a gamble, as I said, because I look at it and if you don't, if those three players that I just talked about, Carpenter, Brown, and Sam Rayla, don't live up to the expectation. And you throw in the, the possibility that Father Time shows up on Alex Mack's doorstep again, which he arguably did at the beginning of last season. And then Alex Mack called the cops and had him hauled off. And Father Time, as he was having his head ducked into the police car, was like, I'll be back. He's going to get out of jail and show back up. I don't know if Alex Mack's going to be able to call the cops again. I know this is a terrible analogy, 
But, <laughs> you know, that's what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned. If that happens this year, guess what? James Carpenter, Jamon Brown, and Ty St. Brown ain't buoying up this offensive line. Now, you're probably right. A rookie, even a first-round pick, is probably not going to do the same either. He's going to come in and be overwhelmed. But at least if you have a rookie, a talented rookie on that unit, come January 2020, and you can sit back and look at this season and say, man, we did not live up to expectations as we hoped, you can at least have a little bit of hope going into 2020, being like, well, we got this young, talented offensive lineman, whether it's a Cody Ford, whether it's a Jonah Williams, whether it's a Jawan Taylor, Garrett Bradbury, Chris Lindstrom, whoever it is, you can sit there and you can say, we got this guy, things are going to get better. He, 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 he took his lumps during the rookie season, but he's going to be better for it, just like Jake Matthews did, right? Just like Ryan Schrader did. Just like Alex Mack did way back in there. Andy Levitri. All, all the good players took their lumps as rookies, and they got better for it. And you can have that hope. But if you don't have that young, talented offensive lineman, and you come to a t- January 2020 and you're looking at a disappointing season, you're not looking with any optimism. You're not looking at this coaching staff and feeling like, oh, man, you guys are going to be better next year. You're looking at it and you're saying, man, we wasted money on James Carpenter and, and Javon Brown. Contracts we can't even get out. Man, we wasted money on Ty Sanrela. We got to go into next offseason investing even more money, more resources, more assets into this offensive line because you chose not to fix it last year. You chose to neglect it last year. And I say neglect because I wonder if you trade up and give away that second or give away that third, right? Let's say you, you give away the third the lesser of the two picks, as various rumors and reports suggest that that's all that requires. I'm highly skeptical of those rumors and reports, but let's say it is. Well, you better hope that second round pick turns out to be better than your average, if it's an offensive tackle, your average offensive tackle as a second round pick. You better hope it's more Kelechi Osemele and not Mike Adams. You know, and if it, you wind up giving up your second round pick, which I think is more realistic to move up into the top 10 to get your boy Ed Oliver or whoever it is that's the apple of your eye. You know, if you don't like Ed Oliver, I know there are plenty of people out there that don't. They're listening right now. Imagine it's Dexter Lawrence or whoever it is that you love. You know, Dexter Lawrence is the opposite of Ed Oliver, I guess you could say. And you give up that second round pick, you're going to get a good offensive line in the third round? Really? Okay. Good luck with that. Or are you going to be stuck with Julian Davenport, 2.0? Or, you know, insert other average third-round offensive tackle pick. You going to feel good about, you know, that 8-8 eight and eight 2019 season with that young player on your roster? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't. Maybe it all works out. Maybe the Falcons know what they're doing. And they know that the player that's going to be good, you know, they've done a good job drafting. I can't fault them there. So maybe they could... They got a plan, but I keep going back and I'm just sitting here being like, I don't feel good about this offensive line. And because I am that crazy person that believes that if this team is going to go far in the postseason, it's going to be because they have a top five offense. And it's going to be harder to have a top five offense if you have a bad offensive line that's held back by three career below average starters and an aging center that may or may not look his age starting this year. It's going to happen eventually. I don't know when it's going to happen. I hope it doesn't happen this year. But it's going to happen. There's a lot of risk on this offensive line. And again, is a rookie going to fix it? Is a rookie going to come in and be like, I'm the superhero that you know Gotham deserves and needs and save this offensive line? I don't know. 
But I would feel a lot better about the future of this offensive line. I would sleep better at night knowing that that talented first-round pick is there or that talented second-round pick is there. So that's part of the reason why I am not necessarily as enthusiastic as various other people when I see the reports and rumors that the Falcons are interested in trading up in the draft. Not because I don't believe that Ed Oliver is worth it, but I believe that if you if you go get Ed Oliver and you wind up hunting for the fifth year on your offensive line, I think you're setting yourself up for a disaster, personally. We'll see how that goes. That's my th- thoughts on the draft. Again, I don't necessarily sit here and say, well, that means you got to take an offensive line with pick 14. But unlike a lot of people who feel like they got to get the sexy pass rusher in round one, I feel like... There's only a handful of pass rushers that I would take over a good offensive lineman. That's basically my opinion. Long story short, long rant short, there's only maybe two or three guys that I personally, if I was in the if, in the war room, and Thomas Dimitrov turned to me when the Falcons were on the clock and said, Aaron, what do you think? Who do you think we should take here? Well, TD, I thought long and hard about this, and I, I'm probably going to tell him an offensive lineman, more than likely. And so we'll see how the Falcons do it. We'll see how the Falcons handle it. So they take that unsexy offensive lineman. I know there's a lot of people who are going to be disappointed, but I don't think I'll be one of them. I don't think I will be at all because I've been waiting for a pass rusher for 10 out of the last 15 years, and I've been disappointed over and over again. But what's interesting is in the Dan Quinn era, we've been taking those pass rushers, and I've been waiting for an offensive lineman for the last four years. And they just keep punting. Keep punting, keep punting, keep punting. If you punt for a fifth year, what do I always say? You reap what you sow. So we'll see what seeds are sown if the Falcons decide that they want to give it all up for that impact defensive lineman, whoever you think that player should or would be. So there you have it, guys. We'll be back Monday with an episode, possibly a mailbag, possibly a guest. Depends on if I can get the schedules coordinated over the weekend. But uh, if it is a mailbag, go ahead, send in your questions on social media, Twitter, Locked on Falcons, Facebook, Locked on Falcons. If you hate social media, as many people do, you can send an email to LockedOnFalcons.mail.com or you can leave a comment at FileFans.com where the podcast is posted daily. Get those questions in. We'll talk more Falcons. We'll talk more draft. We'll talk schedule next week at some point towards the end of the week. And we'll continue to get other people's thoughts on what the Falcons should do in round one round two, round three, etc. as we tick away these last 20 days until that all-important first-round pick when the Falcons zig. When we all thought they, you know, we sit here, all, I say offensive line, you say defensive line, yeah, corner, linebacker, here it comes. <laughs> I just say, you know, gird your loins, as, as a good friend of mine might say, you know, hold on to your butts. So we'll see what happens, man. Until then, guys. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.